Ultimate may be, you know, there, and some of them person. are like, I'm going to come to your house and murder your entire family. Like yeah. some of them are in- insane. Yeah, it's insane that you would never say to a person in front of them. N- that, not all. And, and then like, they might not even mean it, but it's like, because you're behind the mask of a keyboard, like it's easy to and say. And that's the thing is like when you're, when you're saying this, stuff. this is bullshit. America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. I thought we were doing a half hour of silence. No. <laughs> Sorry, normally we do a little bit of a silent uh silent, yeah. We have to wait three, for the yeah, wait for the moment, to... you know, like uh you know, but it's not like the doctor's office where they tell you to count to three, but then they just pop your shoulder back in place at two. Just yeah. just like uh Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know by the pain. But all right. All right, yeah, no, we've just been really nervous because of all the sound problems that we've been having, but we'll get into that. But first <laughs> Yeah, we had an episode first, that we totally um, scrapped. <laughs> And in case you uh, have had a couple extra sips of, of, of liquor or coffee or whatever and you stumbled across this, you have no idea what the hell you just clicked on. Welcome to the Necessary, Necessary Bullshit, Bullshit Podcast. Podcast. Um, this is an experimental ongoing conversation uh, between what originally was a progressive myself and Ian the Libertarian. But as we continue to move on, our, our, we're starting to... <laughs> Surely becoming unsure of ourselves. Unsure of ourselves. But, you know, that's why it's important because all we're trying to do here is, again, we're just, you know, whether you agree with us or disagree with us, the point is... Hopefully con- agree with me. Yeah, uh, the point is unlikely. stimulating conversation. We hope to teach you a thing or two, and uh, you know, especially on critical thinking and and intellectual skepticism and all that fun stuff. Right. And and like me, I'm intellectually skeptical that our sound equipment's going to work this time. And I'm skeptical that we'll have anything interesting. To interesting, say. <laughs> but I'm nervous. But you know, if you're hearing me now, and and I said that I'm nervous, then I, we've succeeded because this is true. This is live. Then if you're hearing this, yeah. so there we go. I mean, but it's not live for you. It's live. Very it's much it's for li- us. well, it's live for you in the moment. Like it's it's vigorous. That's true. You don't know but what's like, coming it's next like in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope, that, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was too quick to agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you could, you could. You know, I don't know when I'm listening to a podcast, especially with great audio. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm there or there with me. Well, real quick, tell that little anecdote uh, uh, before we get into the episode, before I have you do that about you were talking about how you never really paid attention to sound quality until my stupid ass like kept oh, harking yeah, on it. Yeah. It's funny. You know, there was, let's see the, okay. The Quillette uh, podcast, you know, it's, it's from the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's from the online magazine Quillette, which I, you know, they pump out great articles. Uh, I really love them. There's lots of, you know, there's a big thing that people think that they all are agreeing with each other and that's, that's not Yeah, but I think going. anything with, with, with involving <laughs> either, you know, kind of like edgy intellectual thinkers right now with, you know, cause Correct. I feel like, again, like anything else is polarized. So when you look at the IDW, IDW or people that are kind of like pseudo associated with that, which people have for some reason. You know, equated <laughs> Quillette for being associated. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. We, I mean, yeah. We could, yeah, we could... Long story that. short, anyway, people either have, love them or hate them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's where we're getting yeah. the brass tacks. So they have their own podcast, and it was really funny. When they announced it, I was very excited. I'm like, okay, this will be interesting. You know, they'll have a couple of their editors explore interesting guests that you wouldn't normally find uh, uh, on the website. And their very first episode, they interviewed Jordan Peterson, which we'll be talking about today. Um, not that episode, but, uh, 
and the sound quality was so poor on both ends. It was bad. Like yeah. Peterson sounded like he was phoning in from fucking like deep in the Canadian north. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and the and the Coelho yeah. I think at one point was... he had to like break to fight a bear. Yeah, you know, probably. Not... <laughs> That's not probably. true. Um, That's not true. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Um, now people are gonna comment us. Um, I listened to that whole episode and there was no bear. There was no bear. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> what the hell, guys? Misquoting. Um. Uh. But yeah, it's just the audio quality was so bad and throughout every episode of their podcast granted the the host sound has gotten a little bit better but their intro sounds fucking awful and they every guest that they have it just feels like they are phoned in and this is a problem in a lot of podcasts by the way a lot of podcasts it feels like i don't know people don't exactly know what they're doing and granted we don't we either, don't know but we, we're we trying have... to have a and that's the episode. that's the fun part like even when we first started i thought like <clears throat> oh we had one mic at the time and i was like let's put it in the center of this loud echoey room because yeah. that's going to sound awesome <laughs> right. you know not understanding like how yeah. recorded sound goes and i believe we've we've come a long way since then and we, we still have a have. long way to go yeah but um, it's just funny like hearing some of our first episodes right and then moving on to like one of our better re- quality recording episodes yeah. and it's like night and day mm-hmm. and it's funny like you know i've done recording before in the past but like my ear hadn't really attuned until very recently uh and, and how more as they ask how comfortable are you now like hearing your own voice <clears throat> actually a, a, quite a lot better yeah you know it, it was weird you know especially because when i used to hear my own voice in recording it was always yeah i used to play death metal and so it was like death growls and stuff yeah. like that so i didn't like right so it wasn't really like oh yeah i heard the sound of my <laughs> no, voice but speaking, so well anyway. instead of keeps yeah instead of sitting here just like shooting the shit yeah. um let's go ahead just, and yeah that's so, it like, we're just gonna have an episode of yeah we don't give a shit you guys don't need to learn anything important yeah, we'll, we'll have just, a bonus episode yeah. like that. <laughs> um so we are here uh to this is the first part of our three-part series uh so today we're going to be totally focusing on a on a debate that Ian forced me to watch he didn't force me to watch but uh he had Oh a, shut up you enjoyed. But it. yeah I did I did. Yeah. I, I really had a good time. So yeah. but but before that before we kind of get into the brass tacks of this Ian since you were the one that kind of discovered this and and you, you know obviously you're you're currently reading Jordan Peterson's book. I'm not sure if you finished it or Oh gosh no. I'm I'm still in like chapter 3 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, life while. life gets us Yeah, you know yeah I mean? and like, I've been yeah. reading on some other things anyway. So uh yeah, so uh so if, in case you don't know who they are, but, uh, they're, uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. He is a clinical psychologist, um, at the university of Toronto. Uh, and he got his PhD. Sorry. I'm looking right here in my notes. I think in at Harvard, maybe no university of Alberta. Uh, no, that's just his alma mater. Anyway, his, 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 uh, info is a little confusing, but anyway, and he kind of works in, uh, psychoanalytics clinical psychology uh he has his own uh website jordanbpeterson.com but then he also has a collaborative episode uh, website called uh, self-authorship program it's basically like a personality test in a way <clears throat> that helps you like figure out your own tics and helps you, you like get you know i don't know improve your life in a lot of ways and that's kind of what his main project is is like helping people you know he's almost like a self-help guru you know you know especially for people who identify conservative or as men you know that's not his sole audience yeah but, well young men is yeah a, is a big part of his audience but that's what that comes and it's weird too because it's like the is it reverse causality which we'll get into that a little later but i think it's if you look at jordan's kind of background it's it's he's he's critiqued a lot because of the potency of his fan base being mainly young men yeah and yeah, he even made yeah. comments like look i'm just 
putting the stuff out there and yeah. it's just happenstance. It's resonant. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's interesting. You know, I won't linger too long on this point, sure. but you know, he, I think Jordan Peterson is really concerned with meaning, deep meaning in our lives. And right now there is a, a large group of people, mainly young white men who feel, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of ironic, but feel disenfranchised just in the modern political landscape. Right. And so they're latching onto that right now. And they're very vocal about it. And a lot of them, Maybe okay. Maybe a lot of them is is the wrong way to go about it. But there's a percentage of them that happen to be kind of on the far right a little bit. Right. Well, and it's kind of like have... a weird, you know, envious kind of statement here. And I don't mean to get too risque with the, what I'm about to say, but I think it it, it goes to the sense where you know, kind of like you know, us, we understand mm-hmm. that we you know there is a certain level of privilege that we do have. Sure. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, it's like when it comes to how I was raised, you know, I'm I you know education is a big thing. It's not like I, I never really learned exactly how the system operated. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't fully aware of the privilege that I had. Cause I didn't know how the system oppressed others. You just kind of are in your ignorant bubble mm-hmm. and you kind of grow up being okay. So I can understand where these certain people are like, look, you know, yes, my, my race or whatever, or our, we did terrible things to other races. And, and now I just, that's, I feel disconnected from that. And, and it's almost like this envious thing where like, everybody's got their, their, you know, they got their history months and they have their pride. Right, and, yeah. and, you know, I can see somebody who is looking at that and goes, well, I want to, I want to know what that experience is not understanding like the, the process or the context right. of, of how it led to get getting them to have that they just see that and go well i kind of want to partake and kind of like my ethnic pride it's almost like this feeling of exclusion you know just like well they're celebrating their like nationalities and their like sexuality it's just like why can't i just be like proud straight white well it's yeah but it's difficult because you have you know you have like obviously white nationalism and white nationalist groups that i don't i don't agree with but they really hold on to that and it's kind of again it's that problem you know even with religion where people just blanket what they want to be you know, they, they fit it, they fit what they believe and they try to cherry pick things and find mm-hmm. avenues to justify what they're doing. And so yeah. with white nationalism in particular, they're, they're taking that kind of like, yeah, that pride and, and they're, they're maybe even manipulating or they're feeding off of young people for doing that. So the only thing Certainly, I'll give Jordan yeah. credit for is even though his audience is mainly that the messages that he are, is trying to get across, I think innate are, are mainly positive. Yeah. 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 Uh, as a far to getting your life back in order. So yeah, definitely, but now I guess let's move on to the other side of this debate. Yeah. So then we ha- also have, uh, the, and I would probably guess that if you listen, if you are an avid listener to our podcast, you probably, by know, this point, who, you probably know who Jordan yeah. Peterson is. Yeah. De- yeah. I would say yeah. that like, he's and, probably in your circles if you find our content interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, and then the other side of this equation is uh, the uh, Slovenian philosopher and sociologist uh, Savoy Žižek. Um, his name is kind of hard to pronounce, a little bit uh, harder than Jordan Peterson. Um, he got his uh, philosophy degree at some university in, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, <laughs> somewhere in uh, Europe. And then he got a uh also a degree in uh psychoanalysis um at the university of london i believe and that's where he uh co uh co-professes i guess that's the um the the one way to say it. and he's kind of like a self-proclaimed uh hegelian and sociologist and philosopher and all this kind of stuff yeah. and um yeah he basically it's interesting the the debate was framed as happiness like capitalism versus marxism which is like not really where the debate went. <laughs> no, but well, I think yeah. it's interesting because, you know, a lot of my beginning notes, which I think we're going to go through this, you know, systematically and we're going to kind of take it from one beat at a time. So there are, I will admit, there are some critiques that Jordan ends up like covering for himself. 
but you know, his, he was the one that gave the first, you know, kind of half hour opening statement. And then when Zizek gave his, you know, Jordan was like, well, now, uh, I didn't think that you were going to go there. Uh, yeah, I thought so the debate was about this. Entire yeah, intro was yeah. He's like, I, I just want people to know that, uh, this, 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 this. I'm just yeah. like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it did, it, it became like, it's weird. It became like, a an appreciation. They both kind of, you know, they, they both really talked about the pros and cons of each of their sides. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then they kind of found moments to agree. And then right. there was like aspects of disagreement, but it did, it did, it definitely felt, I guess I would say this to me, it felt more like a traditional conversation than it did an actual debate. Yeah. I, and I think those are the best kinds of debates, you know, using air quotes here is like, you know, Jordan Peterson, uh, last sometime last year, he did a series of, of four debates with Sam Harris mm-hmm. and they had, uh, two debates in, uh, North America that were moderated by, uh, the biologist Brett Weinstein, and then they had uh, two in the UK that were hosted by um, author and uh, I guess political commentator Douglas Murray, and they were very long <laughs> and and they were very interesting, but they were less debates and more conversations. They certainly debated within it, but they were more of like a it was it was there was a camaraderie uh, right, and I think them. and that's important, yeah. and, and that's why you know and that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast in the first place exactly. because yeah. you know Sam has always brought up if you follow Sam Harris's podcast now making sense with Sam Harris, um, you know I love his little anecdote when he talks about podcasting and he's like this is a perfect medium for conversation mm-hmm. and for kind of stimulating you know thinking and 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 kind of molding intellectual mind frames into a more digestible way for the masses. Uh, Because that's, you know, for so long, you know, unless you want to pay thousands of dollars and be in school forever, that's the only way you're going to get access because most academic stuff is from, you know, peer to peer or or within the academic space itself. And, you know, a lot of it's just really undigestible to the, to the common ear. And tell me about it. Yeah. (laughs) And so the, you know, it's just, it's a free form conversation. That's why we're here. Honestly, like this is my safe space. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. This is where I feel like we can really get into the weeds with anything. I mean, if you go back to some of our earlier episodes, like episode six or uh episode i can't remember what the one we talked about we were going to talk about uh i think the the Mueller report but then we ended up talking about like all kinds of oh yeah we just like yeah we, <laughs> yeah we we like never got to the what we initially yeah, said yeah. so and but, it was great yeah yeah exactly and, and what i think too is like you know for those of you that are listening you know, obviously we respect you and we thank you and i think we just got to over 700 uh downloads so we're, we're slowly starting to grow and uh just know that you know we we just love that we get a chance to not only shoot the shit but uh, stimulate whatever. If you guys hear something that you're like, well, wow, Josh just sounded like an idiot right there. You know, that's actually stimulating critique and thought. Yeah. And, and also, or, please let him know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not the only one. Or you're <laughs> like, hey, I heard this. This is interesting. And, yeah. you know, or, or talk about it with your friends. You know, we encourage you to either reach out to us or to continue the conversation on your own. Um, but, you know, to get started, I would say that, yeah. you know, I think that I, I didn't know what I was going to, to get into. I think Jordan, when Jordan first started, he really just, his main goal was just let me just critique. So he focused on obviously the most important document from Karl Marx, which is the the communist manifesto. And, you know, he started his open argument was basically like, here's what Marx is, 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 here's what Marx is saying in this, here's why it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And here's why that means that capitalism is right. Um, and that's just kind of where he went. I don't know if you have any thoughts initially. Yeah, on... it, yeah it was interesting. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally say that, for Marx, the Communist Manifesto is his most important work. I think it is very important in the kind of uh, uh, influence. I, let of me Marx let me had. correct that. I, not important, I guess, but but uh, I guess m- m- the most well known, the most controversial. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. You know, especially with definitely. you know what's going on with communism. It's definitely the more of yeah. you know Communist Manifesto is very is more is more 
popular, I yeah, guess. Yeah, absolutely. The, I think the Communist Manifesto would be fair to say that, like, you know, the the socialist, you know, quote, socialist uh, uh, countries and nations that took form in the uh, mid to late 20th century directly were in, directly yeah. were inspired from the Communist Manifesto. Um, and yeah, his, his critiques of, of that document were basically, you know, he was able, he was only able to get into a few, uh, uh, segments of it because it's, you know, it's a, a, it's a large enough document where you can't cover it in 30 minutes. Right. But crack me um, up. He's also like, uh, here's the 10 things. I'm going to tell you the 10 things wrong with this. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. So I'm going to write three. a list. Yeah. And then he, and he, yeah. And he gave like three and there was no real order. So I'm thinking, I'm like, was that supposed to be number two? Like what? He's just kind of going on. He's just yeah. doing his job. He's just doing yeah, his he's doing his thing. very like. I can't do an impression of him, but right. Know. But when he said 10 <laughs> steps, I thought he's like, and here's the first thing. And then kind of like lay it out yeah. more. But he was like, Nope. He just said, here's 10 things. And he just kind of, you know, but he does that. And he here's like, here's the first steps. And know, he like thinks of, you know, and he has that like hand, he's got this pause handshake thing his, that he does. His, when bo- his body language is very interesting. Very interesting. Like yeah. He's, he's, he does a lot of like pacing and looking down and like, I wish I could, I'll throw like a gif up of him or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I know. Zizek on, on the other hand, Zizek looks like, you know, looks like he's about to get arrested for something. Yeah. He's constantly like touching his nose and he's like pulling up like on his shirt. You know, he's just coming down. Yeah. Off, like a really big yeah. heroin hire. Yeah. It was just, just like, I don't like know. That. It was just like really weird. His mannerisms were, I guess like nervous or fidgety. It's just like, and he's know. like that all the time. Yeah. Like if yeah. he was in a lineup, I'd be like, that guy's guilty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy raped a lady. No, Mike. Why do you have to go there? <laughs> because it's like the most extreme thing. I don't know. I, I, I can think of. Anyway, so, I mean, it's just getting risque. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not not the time to joke about that topic. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. so the yeah the, his. Peterson's I'll be your moral first... police. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. Um. Anyway, <laughs> his the yeah. So Peterson's first kind of opening remarks were were uh, critique of. Marxism, it's funny because, you know, that's what he really prepared for. Right. Um, and what's interesting, too, because, like, I, I like Jordan Peterson a lot, but I, I, I think that he gets Marxism wrong often. Um, not that often, but often enough to where, like, no, dude, you could be smarter in your, in your critique. Uh, especially because Marx himself, you know, yeah, he critiqued capitalism, especially right. at the time, but he praised capitalism in a, in a lot of other respects. Um, especially it's, uh, potential to alleviate just the labor force in general. Um, uh, you know, kind of moving more towards like a system auto- of automation. Um, but Peterson, <clears throat> he also, I don't think did his best homework on, on Zizek either. Now I'm not super familiar with Zizek's work. Um, he's published a lot of well, Jordan even made a comment about that, but yeah. like, even if you would try to understand, you know, or uh, try to investigate all the work you've done, there's just so much of it that right. it's like difficult yeah. to go about that. Yeah. But, you know, I think for me, my problem with, with Peterson is that, again, like everybody else, when you're formulating opinions, you have to, you build your, your foundation of your argument off of your initial beliefs. Mm-hmm. And there's just yeah. certain beliefs that, uh, that I, that don't concur or that don't resonate with me when it comes to Jordan's arguments. And, and he's done a bet to switch that. But the first thing he, he kind of mentions that I want to talk about is he yeah. argues that, that you that Marx talks about capitalism as a hierarchy system when it comes to the people obviously with with capital and the people that are the worker but yeah. but and he <laughs> argues marxism is or marx argues that that it's it's the system of capitalism that establishes that initial class structure and, yeah. and that initial um uh conflict and jordan had made a comment and he said well actually you know like hierarchies are they they exist in nature and in biology mm-hmm. and if they exist in nature and biology therefore capitalism can't be the cause of it yeah 
And I'm just like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that can be comparison because I think that we might have a biological or an evolutionary nature for that. But I would not say that capitalism, capitalism can equally just amplify that already kind of hierarchical yeah, structure. Yeah. And I feel like that's not, that's not, to me, it's not a valid argument to say that, oh, well, hierarchies happen in nature. So therefore it can't be capitalism's fault. Yeah, I think that's interesting, uh, you know, because I think I would I think I would agree with you in the sense that, well, first of all, I mean, just looking at at, uh, at Peterson's claim here is that, yeah, we find lots of hierarchies in nature. Um, humans, I think, you know, it's hard to talk about what's natural in humans because that's so bogged down with, you know, with culture and 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 privilege and all this other, uh, you know, nonsense you could attribute to that but hierarchies do occur a lot in nature especially within the animal kingdom it's not ubiquitous you know there are uh animals out there and 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 with their social behaviors aren't hierarchical you know there's clear evidence for that but the but the evidence for hierarchy is there and it translates a lot into into humanity with peterson's critique and i think with your critique of of his is that yeah you know maybe we do naturally uh, organize ourselves into hierarchies, but capitalism, you know, not, you know, not focusing on just how bogged down that, that term is with all these other kind of connotations, but what capitalism certainly does is it takes those hierarchies and in a way it kind of disbalances them. <clears throat> you know, it allocates almost all resources up to the top and leaves none for the rest in in the sense that, especially Marx's critique, is that there was no ownership of the means of production amongst the the lower rungs on that hierarchy, and in a sense, it was it was taking those hierarchies, you know, the the maybe the thing that already existed, and exploiting them in in such a way that it actually makes it worse and and not a practical way about going right and i and i guess things. it's yeah. what's weird is because it's like it's it's kind of that thing where he he wasn't technically wrong but it also didn't like completely, exactly equate it didn't actually equate to the point that he was trying to make you know and yeah. he talked about you know also you know people with capital kind of live in a, in a dictative position or they don't or they can't live in a dictative position because it's more of like biology linked and I'm just saying like, well, that's kind of not true because yes, they're not like dictators, but at the same time, it's like the people with capital do kind of dictate if they hire you or not. They dictate what your wage is. Yeah. Now I might be very generous with, with the definition of that word, word when I say dictate, dictate because yeah. at the end of the day, it's our choice whether or not we want to take that wage. But then you, you, you have to fact, again, what I, my problem is when, when you look at economics is it, it's so vast and you have to consider every kind of aspect of, of humans and why we do what we do and, and kind of dig, you know, kind of put your philosophy cap on and dig a bit further. Because when you look at the, the dictatorist, what I kind of mean about that is like, okay, so I'm going to come up to you. Now I need money to pay for all my basic needs. We're in a consumer based kind of, uh, we're a consumer society. Yeah. And that's how we now get our goods. We purchase them, we buy them. And I go, so I'm going to give you a job for this amount. If you don't want to work it, you don't have to work here. But then in me, I go, well, if I don't take a job and I'm not getting income, I can't pay for food. I can't pay for a roof over my head. Right. So I, in turn, am going to need one. Now I might take a better one to look for that. And there is a hard work element to that. But I'm talking about the initial drive of people that will accept what they can because they either go, look, somebody else is willing to do it. You know, and that's why you're talking about moving factory, you know, moving factories to different countries because you uh -huh. want they might make cheaper goods. And it's mainly because somebody said that they're willing to just work for less yeah. amount of money. Yeah. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. 
you know, they, yeah. they, 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 they can pay well, less. Especially since like a lot of the times, like our, you know, the wages that we paid them, even in foreign countries are worth a lot more than their own. Yeah. Right? And so they're like, well, I have to do this or else I also, I literally can't survive. Whereas, you know, over here in the West, at, at least in the United States, it's just like, well, I don't want to work that job, you know? And yeah. so it's just like, okay, well then all these other people are going to be doing it. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing too. I, again, you know, with Marxist critique, you know, have to look at the historical context, you know, at, during the rise of the industrial revolution, like if you didn't work for some of these factories, then you literally had no, you had no other choice, you know, in a lot of aspects, like you were going to be left to, you know, the farms and those were slowly starting to be, uh, industrialized themselves and you couldn't get work anywhere else. So if you didn't take some, you know, relatively good paying factory job, then you were going to be out of luck basically. And, and, you know, the fact that the, owners of the means of production, you know, basically the capitalists knew that they knew that their employers or their laborers didn't have a choice. And so they could exploit them. Right. Um, and so I think that's where you look at the origin. Whereas today we, especially in the West, we have a lot more choice. And so that, that specific critique doesn't hold up as much. And I think that's where, why Jordan was, was trying to get in. Right. There. And I think um, this is going to be more for part two, but I'll, I'll bring up just a touch here. You know, when, when they talk about, the the thing that I struggle with when you when you're dealing with kind of a critique of Marx, which is probably indirectly whether you could say it's socialistic or, or communistic, sure. um, yeah. that it's he's just directly connected to that. So, mm-hmm. but when you look yeah. at you know capitalism, a lot of people think, oh well, the capitalism is actually the reason why we th- thrive and we do that is because it's in our own nature, like self preservation and you know achievement and growing, and that's all things that we've evolutionarily learned that we want to stay alive. So we've done things for ourselves personally to do whatever we can survival of the fittest. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what capitalism is. It's about channeling that, that survival aspect that, you know, working hard and doing what you can to, to kind of float above. And then they argue that that's what it is, but then, you know, socialism, Oh, we can't do that. That's terrible. That's this and that because of about, you know, things that have done bad, but, or for, for what communism, what I would argue is that we've also through evolution have shown like an aspect of, of community and humans are the most social creatures on this planet. Um, and we were, we live on that and our society is now getting more socially integrated. And so I think that it's, you know, what the one thing that I wished that either of them would have brought up is that the initial, cause they both connected it to evolutionary biology yeah. and a certain aspect in the debate, but none of them really talked about how like either of those systems could be linked back to a different characteristics of those evolutionary traits that we've grown. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wish I would have, he would have said that, but that's just the last thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, I think that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, like, why, you know, you can, because you can think about, like, why would something like capitalism emerge, you know, and and to me, it makes a lot of sense that, like, we just as a species, you know, we have this, you know, uh, need in a way to mitigate suffering in a lot of ways, and, and we are pretty smart in the sense that, like, we know how to work fairly efficiently in, in getting all the goods that we need, you know, because we have all of these underlying uh, evolutionary traits that try and get us to, you know, we need lots of sugar, you know, because it was scarce, you know, uh, in our, for early ancestors, like we need a bunch of other things. And the fact that we've gotten so good at, at getting those, it's come to this point where we have this overabundance and it goes to a lot of the times the people on the top. Um, who have figured out how to get those the best ways. Yeah. And so, the, um, can, yeah. So I don't know if you wanted to move further. Yeah. I'm going to move further. Um, so the, yeah. the, another thing that Peterson said in his opening statement, which I think it's, it's, it's crazy. He, he, I think it's really sweet of him, but he, he was like, he had made a comment that it's absurd to think that the, the people with capital will abuse the worker. 
You know, why would they do that? They're, you know, the worker is the one that gets them this and gets them that. And I was like, and so I guess what I'm saying is that I feel that for that comment, first of all, there is data showing that, that, you know, a worker or people with capital do abuse their workers. I mean, there's you know, stuff going on with Amazon and warehouse workers and, and rights and, and things like that. And there, there's, Hey, I worked at an Amazon warehouse, man. Yeah. And I'm not <laughs> saying that all of it, you know, I'm not saying that every single person abuses their worker, but for him, it was kind of like the generic, like, I can't believe it. He would abuse it. So I, I wrote down that. Uh, he's almost doing what I think is naive realism where he's connecting his, his, his moral business ventures to the, you know, the actual capitalistic system in itself when it comes to the way that he views the, the right moral life to live in his book and some of the things that he's talked about. I feel like, you know, his kind of perception of, of what it means to be moral is kind of, kind of almost affecting his view of capitalism where he's being very, very generous when it comes to the fairness of the system yeah. and, and not really, I think being more skeptical about, you know, there's actually evidence of, of several aspects of capitalism to not be fair. Um, and now there might be fair. I'm not discrediting one point or the other, but I feel like he just kind of blankets to where like, he's just assuming in his whole argument that we are just have to take his word for it, that capitalism innately has is, is, is all about fairness. And that's the direction of his arguments when he's critiquing communism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I certainly don't think capitalism uh, has uh, anything to do with fairness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 I think, you know, similar to its, you know, evolutionary precepts, you know, it's about, again, you know, you, you can kind of look at this as like a social Darwinism, right? Is the survival of the fittest. And capitalism, <laughs> capitalism is not concerned about being fair. It's just, it's just, it's just not, that's just not the foundation that it's based off of. And I think you know yeah he i mean he's being charitable right. you know and and probably unintentionally in the sense that you know yeah you know somebody who's on top of you know like a ceo right they probably don't go they they don't want to go out of their way to disenfranchise their employees but they're certainly not necessarily concerned with their complete well-being they're like well i need my well-being and how can i use them uh to get that now on the way to doing that, you, I think inevitably you have to be concerned with the well-being of your employees, right? Because if they don't do well, then you don't do well. And I think that's what Jordan Peterson is, is getting at is like, you, those people have to meet some kind of standard in order for you to even profit now he, but in that, in that same regard, he's still being most likely too charitable yeah because because there is data there is well not just that but it's it's more of like again and and i understand that to people that are pro-capitalist they're probably going to hear that argument and think that he's just being fine you know for me knowing what i know and viewing capitalism in the lens that i view it in i can see it as being generous because i kind of see the the chinks in the armor um but it's like for me though too it's it's you know he talks about humans are built for conflict so if we lived in a utopia it would be terrible. So like, yeah. so he's even saying humans are built for conflict, but then he's going like, oh, there's there's no conflict between that because it's biology. And I just, you know, it's just connecting that doesn't make sense to me. But I think what, you know, what really, and uh, his, his most thing where he had kind of, where am I at? Okay, there are humans are built for conflict. So I think that in the second part, when he's talking about capitalism and he's talking about, oh, you can't do this to the worker. I think that conflict can also lead to, to, to he's not a, accounting for manipulation i guess is what i'm trying to get to so it's like i don't want to dupe my worker well you know i will tell you firsthand that there are occasions where we might not be as truthful to an employee 
you know, in order to kind of make sure that productivity is, is up right, to point or, right. you know, and I'll say this, so this is a story. <laughs> well, this is a story of a friend of mine. Um, and you know, he was a manager at a, at a place for a little while. He demoted himself. Um, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not going to give his name of the company cause that's rude to do. And, and because, especially cause the story I'm about to tell, but he said that, you know, there was one of the, one of the, one of their employees who kind of had a, an emotional reaction to something that was going on. And, um, and he stepped down from his position for like a month. And then, you know, and, and I guess after that month, he had kind of come back and he said, look, I'm feeling better. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And they set him down and, you know, and he was like, so the next position will be considered. And the boss was like, look, you know, he's like, if you work hard, just keep doing your job. Just keep working hard. I promise that the next thing that comes up, you're going to be considered for. We just need you to work hard. He's like, okay, okay. Yeah. And then my buddy was telling me as soon as he left the room, the GM just looked over at him like he's never getting management again. Yeah. Like, and so he said at that moment, I just, you know, I just stepped down because I, he said that I was not okay with, you know, them telling this man that he's just got to work hard and he's going to be, he's going to be the next considered to be promotion. And then yeah. my, you know, my boss just told me that there's no way he's ever going to be promote Like he's not going to yeah, be promoted. No yeah. So it's just like, that's a way to make him com- com- complacent to continue to work, you know, to not get upset about knowing, cause now he's got a goal that he's going for so they can, you know, have some more longevity with that employee. Right, exactly. So it's always about, you know, again, it's very vindictive to kind of go down that route, but it, it's, I think that, you know, talking about, manipulation of people and how we can you know people that are smarter know how to kind of talk or the rhetoric that they use they're able kind of to keep their people compliant and mm-hmm. or even get more money like cell phone companies where it's like why is it cell phone companies are terrible. like why why, why why is this charge added to my bill oh you noticed that did you shit <laughs> you're like oh well it has to do with this one thing you know and it's it's just like yeah but i didn't i didn't sign right, up right or you're at the mercy you know it's like it's even with customers like the post office like i lost my mail key i need new mail keys it's like uh they're like sorry we don't it's all paper system i'm like you're you're united states postal service you guys don't have computer you guys don't it's 2019 to be fair it's it's uh i know to yeah. be fair it's the government but no yeah. they still use pen and paper so I they know. did my paper order so they had no way of telling me when i was going to get my keys for my mail <laughs> Uh, they, I tried to do a hold on my mail that didn't get processed. And so then I'm not stuck here and I'm like, I am at the mercy of them. Right. Who am I going to complain to? Yeah. (laughs) The president. Yeah. I just like, there's no, you know, I'm at the mercy. So I guess I'm just saying that I think that you, you know, I think that capitalism breeds more vindictiveness than I think that Jordan was willing to admit. And that's just my personal kind of anecdotal thought on that. I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Comcast right now, they're trying to buy me a new, they're trying to get me to buy a new modem. They're like, your modem is fucking terrible and it's super slow. So why don't you go ahead and buy one of our new ones for like however many hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, no, mine is just fine. Thank you. Or even that, like I just got, you know, that I called them because my internet was being crappy and. And they were like, uh, oh, well, do you have one of our modems and routers? And I was like, no. Well, then the, it's with your equipment then. Yeah. That really? It's like, really? You're you, just going to like. You <laughs> asked me if I had your equipment and I said no. And then you said, okay, well, that's probably your equipment. Yeah, that's probably the problem. Fault, yeah. Man. I was just like, <laughs> what? Um, but no. Yeah. So so back down uh, to this argument here. I guess the the thing he talks about material possession and uh, claiming it's, it's, it's achieving that, but it isn't. Oh, what did I write down? Jordan is taking an absurdist approach, judging or joking about evil capitalists. Capitalism produces inequality, yes, but wealth as wealth as well. I can't even read my own handwriting. Don't I read it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, so what I'm thinking is, for you. 
Oh, I think so. What he does kind of finish his argument. I think what he was doing is he was trying to, you know, like, oh, capitalists are evil. Da, da, da. He was trying to make it sound ridiculous. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, Where yeah. it's like, I'm yeah, going to yeah. take your argument and I'm going to make you sound absurd. Yeah, so then I can, yeah. you know, like it's, Voltaire, it's, the, yeah, the, the talk about the logic. It's just, kind of redu- reductio ad absurdum. Yeah, I think know. he kind of went that route. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I kind of felt that he was like, oh, let me just make a quick joke or, or make, let's let me just do it in this voice where like you sound stupid it's like, like oh you're you, kind of fucking like dumb. oh you mean like capitalism is bad yeah oh, like oh like, evil yeah. capitalists <laughs> and ever and all pro capitalists like yep that's right those stupid libtard fuck faces yeah. you know <laughs> goddamn <laughs> just, snowflakes yeah. snowflakes libtards um <laughs> but um but no i don't think he was really going that far but that's just no kind of... i don't think so either i mean he you know because he believes him you know he believes in himself you know which is i mean he's got strong convictions you know so good for him but yeah, you know, I I just think you know you made that comment about like you know the him not seeing the vindictiveness that's you know and you know maybe inherent in in how capitalism works and I think that's interesting in the sense that like it capitalism is one of those things that promotes you know if if you if you are able you know to to exploit and conquer all then it's going to allow you to do that yeah and and it, you know, again like I said it's not about fairness like capitalism you know insofar as it is that system it has no care for fairness it's about getting the best you know and and sort of manipulating the rest of the populace and you know into just contributing to that um and i think he spent all, yeah. he's and also too the only other the last thing i'll critique before doctors he's like kind of went up there and did his thing um for the opening statements i i just i wrote down that you know he Jordan is comparing a lot of, of past cultures and how like uh-huh. history of the world, the wealth has increased the, the, uh, you know, the, the classic optimistic approach of like, this has gotten better. We have more reliable access to resources. Things are cheaper. Things are like that. Yeah, it's the same thing like uh Steven Pinker will say, or that Michael Shermer will say actually. And in, in, right. in response to the, in to a lot of people's uh, pessimistic view of the world. Sure. Right? And yeah. I agree with that. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I just think that I think that I, I watch, I be careful directly linking to the past when it comes to the present, because our culture is different and we've morphed and things have changed. We didn't have social media in the past. We didn't have like, yeah. there are things that are affecting what's happening right now in our society. At least I believe that there are. And these are things that are kind of, you know, I talked about social media earlier because he made the comment that like social, social pressure isn't a part of your identity. And I'm like, ah, you know, that's what Jordan said, but yeah, yeah, but I said, but I don't know though. So I was like, part of me wants to agree with that. But a part of me is like, I think social media is starting to successfully kind of like morph in some people's identities yeah it, it's 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 changing how how we interact in the world you know like, more susceptible to yeah. social pressure than we've ever been before yeah you know for sure you know i've you know i'm i'm certainly a, a critic of of all those social constructionists they're like oh it, you know it's just socially constructed and all this kind of stuff it's like okay well yeah of course of course it is you know like we are social beings like we have to rely on each other's interactions to to understand and create the world but I do think that things can kind of stem from with within us, but the fact that what was the quote exactly that you had the social, um, uh, social uh, social pressure is not a part of identity. Yeah, crazy I, that they called that. Oh, uh, crazy that they called 107 years ago because I believe what social media is doing now is kind of succeeding in making that the case. Yeah, is my I, notes. Yeah, on yeah. That. I, I and I and I would tend to agree with that in that 
social media is it's changing the game it is well especially know? with coddling yeah. an american changing mind you know psychology. like that's why that's kind of where it was, was fresh in my head uh you know with reading coddling and just finishing that book and and they really do talk about the psychological effects that social media is having on young children right. and, and and even into college yeah. students and even starting <laughs> to affect the intellectual environment and yeah exactly and you know like stuff. um you know sorry if, if this person is triggering but you know louis ck had a great joke i'm you know i just no, have to say fine. that now know. you know yeah uh louis ck had a great uh sort of joke when he was on the Conan show a, a few years ago, you know, he's talking about like how, you know, how being just being on your phone and, and, and saying mean things on, on online is so much worse now, you know, because you can say things anonymously online. You're like, Oh, you're fucking ugly. Like, I can't believe, you know, you're such a slut, whatever, you know, like whatever the insults may be, you know, there, and some of them person. are like, I'm going to come to your house and murder your entire family. Like yeah. some of them are, it's insane. Yeah, it's insane that you would never say to a person in front of them. And not, that, not all. And, and then, like, they might not even mean it, but it's like, because you're behind the mask of a keyboard, like, it's easy to and say. And that's the thing is, like, when you're, when you're saying this stuff online, you're like, mm, that feels fucking good to attack that person, you know, especially when you don't see them face to face. It's different, you know, because especially as children, when, when we're children, you know, we rely on how the other person reacts to us and their facial features. Yeah. You know, if you say something mean to somebody, like, oh, you're ugly, and then you see how the other person reacts, like, feeling shame or whatever, you're like, oh, that person doesn't feel good about that. I don't feel good about saying that, you know, right. like, because we're very empathetic creatures, you know, normally. And you get that, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said that, you know, maybe I should regulate better, because I don't want to upset somebody like that. We do not have that anymore right. with social media. I mean, it still exists, but when we are doing that on social media and how pernicious that, that is, I mean, just look at Facebook. Right. Facebook is one of those things. I mean, I think Facebook was the start of like making things worse. Twitter, I, I still don't think is as bad as, as Facebook. It's getting there. But Facebook is one of those things where you just, you know, you have somebody have some long post, you know, talking about shit and then just people go. Or there's and, like, like other stuff too, which only mindful is the last thing I want to say, because I want to keep moving on because we're still in the opening statements. So we're you know, yeah. I'm being mindful of yeah. time. That's but, right. You know, um, we but, can go a little over. Right. Know? Yeah. So, yeah. so the thing with Facebook that really interesting to me too, is they just said, so they have that Nancy Pelosi video of her kind of, it's, it's a fake video that's is up it? about Nancy Pelosi. And, um, it's, I can't remember exactly is what it, it fake? is. Fake news. Well, no, it's her doing, it's her like talking about something that isn't real. And Facebook is like refusing to, 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 to take it down. Interesting. And, and their argument is like, well, we never said what had to be, we never said that it needed to be truth to be on our platform. Yeah. And we're like, what? That's in, the entire, like, I feel like they're, that's exactly, you can't be the moral police and then go, oh, actually we can't, this is weird. I mean, yeah. I, you know, uh, we're, we can go down that route, but the the thing, let me bring it back to this and yeah, I'm going to, sure. I'm going to have a perfect segue into Dr. Zizek, which I'll let you kind of obviously say what you thought of his opening statement. But, sure. Yeah. So uh, last thing about Jordan is Jordan had said that, ca so capitalism does produce inequality. Yes. But wealth as well, like no other system can. Like, no other system can produce the wealth that capitalism can, according yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I was like, yeah, but what about China? You know, in my head, I was like, what about China? Like, I'm not saying they're doing you know, but they are showing that you can, their economy is increasingly in wealth. Yeah, but ch China is is almost certainly, like, even more so capital, capitalist than we are. But they're not, though. They they follow, okay, here's the thing, though. They, okay. have, they have implications when it comes to that, but there's certain ways of doing stuff. But then I, the reason why I said that is because I laughed because when Dr. Zizek got up there, what is the first thing he talked about? Fucking China. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, how hilarious. Yeah. Like, I was like thinking, well, Jordan, what about China? I'm like, you got to, you know, got to talk about that little 
uh, thing in the room right, there. Right. Uh, but then he, but then Doctor Zizek brought that up. So um, that's why. I mean, I don't know if you, yeah, I, notes or if you remember. Just, I mean, just his... quickly, just on the whole China thing. I mean, you know, China. Yeah, I mean, it's the you know the People's Republic of China. Like that's fucking communism. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like they they are exploitive in the sense that they are using the best of their ability uh economic growth in the vein of capitalism and there are many people who are now on the bottom uh who are still suffering you know i mean you just look at you know granted it's in the united states company but you look at apple right and what they do to their employees over there you know they're basically forced to live in these like you know uh communes where they can't leave and they have fucking suicide nets you know b above the third floor so people can't jump off and fucking kill themselves i mean it's the absolutely most exploitive thing you can be granted it's a u.s company but it's happening in china and the chinese government were like yes like we're making money from, from sure yeah just know? to be and, clear you know i wasn't coming at that from an ethical or moral no mor I, moral no, standpoint i, know, I, know I mean were, like, but, yes i understand yeah. that there are some ethical things going on in china that are fucking well, and risque then, and, then, and then even then like the china is now for a few years now they've been de developing these the social credit kind of uh system where basically if you don't perform well in your in your society like you because they it's a total surveillance state you know similar to the united states uh where they watch you and track your your motives and your actions and if you're not doing well to help your society you basically get a lower score oh so they're trying to use they're trying to use social <laughs> pressure to create identity yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> just yeah. talking about that no, I, mean, I mean yeah exactly That's another, yeah, yeah like maybe another they're seeing what they're like there. wow like america stumbled across that accidentally Let's do this purposefully. Um, let's do this purposefully and yeah. see what happens. But it's absolutely a system of exploitation, and I think that they're using that in the vein of, of capitalism. Now, just taking this a little step further, I think what, you know, just to get into Zizek a little bit, I'm just, now I'm just going off of memory. I know you took uh, uh, pretty good notes. But, right, right. Um, well, I have I, a shitty memory, so I have to take really yeah, good notes. And I want to make okay. sure that my content's up to speed and, and good. I mean, I have you. a bad memory also. I just, like, go off the... Yeah, so Ian doesn't care about any of you, so yeah. he, he wants to do this podcast, but he can give two shits by giving proper research. <laughs> That's right. I do it for other things. So anyway. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh, your I blog promise. that nobody reads? Okay, here we go. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. That's good. That's good. Anyway, so I think uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of you know take your notes here, but I think what Zizek really gets into that i that i'm interested in is how he gets into a critique of happiness which i think is really interesting oh that i wrote that down yeah, i think i yeah, love uh you yeah. know the first thing i said is he said i said i wrote down interesting because he said happiness or our pursuit thereof is conflated um b because we Maybe sabotage the voice also like the happiness yeah, is, I can't, yeah. i'm not going to be Sorry. worried i mean i don't know i don't know his background but he's definitely got some less going on but you know what he was in what he had to say was interesting yes, absolutely, even, yeah. even though you know i have a really and i guess when you when you're hard of hearing it made me have to focus twice as much to make sure i, I caught everything he said but, yeah yeah um but definitely. he said that uh, happiness in our pursuit thereof is conflated um because we tend to sabotage ourselves because we actually don't understand ourselves as a whole and then he put Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And so he says, religion makes good people do bad things. And he basically says that suffering isn't proof of our authenticity. And, and so I think what he really talks about with happiness too, is what I found really interesting is that he's like, we, a pursuit of happiness is null and void. If we have no idea about how we operate and how we are and how can we pursue something that we don't even understand? Yeah. Yeah, um, sure. and and I think where they leads that into, or Jordan kind of clapped back about this interesting concept of of happiness being a byproduct 
you know, happiness shouldn't be a goal. You, right, your goal right. should be to like do this or do that. And then happiness would in turn come by a byproduct. The goal should be to reduce misery and, and like a reduction of misery is not necessarily happiness, but a reduction, a goal of reduction of misery could then have a byproduct of happiness. I thought that was an interesting take on yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I personally, I, I personally wouldn't want that as my goal, you know, to, to reduce, uh, to reduce misery or suffering uh entirely i don't think we ever can um but certainly the the i goal guess unnecessary of... suffering sure because I mean, yeah, there's yeah. Suff- there's never going to reduce 100 percent suffering there's natural suffering we're all going to die people in your life are going to die you're going to suffer yeah um <laughs> jesus yeah. christ how jesus nihilistic christ, of me optimist <laughs> yeah yeah how um, nihilistic of me yeah no i i just think that uh yeah having the goal of of happiness is, is such a you know first of all like happiness is such a like a, a but it's a in our constitution idea. I know. And yeah. that, what's interesting about that is like you, uh, you know, that is part of the ethos of liberal of liberalism, right? Is that, you know, uh, uh, you know, what does our competition competition uh, say in the pursuit of life, liberty and 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 happiness? Right. Um, and that just it sounds great, you know, especially in the idea of living in like an oppressive tyranny right it's like no we need these freedoms we need to be liberated and we need to you know find happiness because we're not getting it from all this you know uh you know monarchy and, and all this other crap but the problem is is like what that leads to is is a life devoid of happiness or or at least devoid of meaning in a lot of way and just searching for happiness like what does that mean like what do you do when you're happy like that you know, you just get to it at one point and you're like, okay, now I'm happy. Now what do I do with my fucking life? Right. You know? and it's and, more of like, and we equate, I think what it is too, is it's all about definition of terms. And so I think yeah. where people get confused too, is especially I had to start really focusing on this, the more intellectual work I've been trying to dig and do where it's like, you know, some people might, their definition of happiness might be stability. It might be this, it might be sure, that, which yeah. is not the actual meaning of happiness, but yeah. it, it's their kind of, you know, using happiness to mean kind of other things, whether that be lack of misery, whether that be sustainability, that might be the definition of happiness for, for a particular person. Right. Um, like, uh, for example, so in, uh, in the works of Aristotle, actually, he has this term, <clears throat> excuse me, that he coined, uh, uh, as eudaimonia. Now, a lot of people take that as meaning happiness and his, his kind of, uh, goal to set forth in, in, for humanity is not finding some ultimate good, but some, but finding happiness and that's actually a really it's not a very good translation it really it translates uh better to uh flourishing or fulfillment you know in the sense that like you know if i can get to a point in my life where basically everything is going well for me yeah maybe i find happiness but in it but in a better sense like i've found that i am just doing well you know in my life you know everything that i do goes well for me you know, I, I have, you know, my kids are happy. I'm happy. Like they have a good paying job. They find meaning in their life. You know, I can, yeah, do you got, you got I hobbies. Yeah, you, you, exactly. you make enough money to not stress about bills. Like that could mean happiness, but yeah, keep anyway. moving forward here. Yeah. You know, I just put, I put this thought. So when he said religion makes good people do bad things, you know, and then I, it made That's me for sure, but no, no, but yeah. it made me, it really made me think about that because then I, I, I thought about how Jordan Peterson views religion and how, first of all, he's like a politician because he never admits to actually having faith. It's like really bizarre. Like he's very, he's very like <laughs> pro religion to establish the moral landscape of, of how we operate. Dude, Peterson, but he's a, not, he will yeah. never, it's weird. He, he, he really like he really like talks around it. 
You know, it's like it's but yeah, and well, can I just say something real quick about that? Like I know we we attempted well, I I attempted to persuade you to watch those other debates with yeah. with Sam Harris, and he I think he does eventually kind of narrow down like what he means by believing in God and everything like that. But he is certainly one of those guys where like you cannot get a straight answer from sure. Peterson. So the point I brought anyway, that up is because yeah. what I wrote down here is is you know he, he he initially used the argument that that hierarchical systems are evident in in, in nature, so right, they're evident right, in our evolutionary right. biology. Therefore, it can't be a product of capitalism. So I put, that's interesting to me because I put, well, evolutionary biology also says that community and love and all these things are, are also in nature. So therefore, are they a byproduct of religion? Question mark. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I I think, yeah, you could just go back to to, to the premise that what we do in our natural lives comes out in, in society, you know, like I think that that capitalism and religion are necessary byproducts of what we do. Um, and I think that, you know, you, you know, in nature, I guess religion specifically, I think that's just something that we would, we would be naturally inclined to do anyway, because of the type of creatures that we are. Yeah. You know, I don't, First of all, I don't think we'll ever get rid of religion. I think it's here to stay. You know, it might. Oh, we're not. We're not going to get adapt. Rid of it. Yeah, and I wasn't meaning that. I just meant. No, that. I know, but yeah, uh, I just was kind of like thinking. I was like, wait a minute. So if you're going to kind of use the whole a biology argument of of existing in nature, so it's not affected on the system. Yeah. You know, then because it's like it's not. I mean, I guess you can you can be of faith and still be an evolutionary biologist in, in a way. Um, really contradictive, but I guess if you want to, I guess it depends. Dampen on like that what or what you're. Well, a suspension of disbelief, is, I guess, is a is good I, yeah. For that. I mean, I guess you know what what were we trying to talk about? Uh, what did we bring up last time we attempted to to record? Um, there was, uh, I think, it was in from this debate. There was a guy saying that uh, you know he had this uh, trinket or symbol above his door. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Dr. Zizek said that. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, I can't remember the context, but he the the guy he said and same, but he was a guy in a cabin. And he said he walked up and saw a horseshoe hanging in his front door I think it was schrodinger something yeah and he was anyway, like yeah and he went wait you have a horseshoe up there do you believe in that and he's like of course not i'm a scientist and he's yeah. like but then why do you have it up there he's like well just because i don't believe in it doesn't mean it's not going to work yeah like, yeah <laughs> like, and, I, and i think that i think that's a really beautiful idea you know in the sense that you know we have these rituals you know that we do uh, and you know we don't really know why we do them you know because we've been doing them for so long right it's kind of like christmas right christmas is an interesting thing you know if you if you celebrate it you know a lot of times you go out and you get this fucking tree from somewhere you know you bring it in your house and you decorate it with all this kind of crap and then you put all these gifts anyway well weird, duh, obviously christmas is a pagan holiday that the you know when the christians decided to right. invade society they decided to take <laughs> it over because they wanted to be no i'm just kidding yeah well i mean it's it's a, it's a good way to to, to keep but they did adopt that to like you know, yeah to like kind of well i guess if you you know want to keep some shit you know like you can't believe in all your gods but you can still do that ritual which is really interesting there are passages in the bible about the ritual of christmas that says you can't actually take a regular tree you have to have like a yuletide tree um anyway uh you know but it's just these these rituals that we do we put meaning onto them you know because they bring us together and and there there is that sense of community which is kind of the same the same thing but um no i think it's a good yeah sorry, go ahead. And, this and, is a, 
I was going to say it's a good segue because I wrote down what, what, what Zizek said, what I found really, what, really fast. He said, truth doesn't exist in the stories we tell ourselves to justify our choices. Mm, yeah. Truth only exists in our actions. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, fucking yeah. tell it out. Really? It's not. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's difficult because yeah. everybody knows that actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. That's a very famous idiom. But, yeah. but I think that what he's trying to connect to is that he's trying to understand that, you know, when people don't understand ourselves, we think that the, the, the truth lies in our internal discussion of justification sure, as opposed yeah. to just kind of going off of the actions themselves. And, you know, and he kind of uses that into comparing Hitler's anti-Semitic, uh, you know, just to justify basically, you know, he did a terrible thing and his actions were the truth. Like he was yeah. murdering, you know, all these Jews and doing all these things, but he justified to himself that you know that he was doing good for the world like that yeah, was like that yeah, common yeah. thing that was his example the biggest example of how hitler's truth was was misguided because it was all in the stories he was telling himself to justify his actions and that, that's why the, the uh the soldiers too you know why did you kill them and that's what, he, what he's talking about you know uh why it's maybe attacked towards the culture of capitalism because he went you know it leads into some sort of nationalism where hitler went you know, the soldiers that they interviewed, they were like, well, I'm doing these terrible things because like, I've been told that this is God's work or this is like, right. this is the work of, of that. And it's a higher power. It's a purpose, yeah, yeah. you know, and there's a danger and that's what he's linking to religion makes people do bad things where, yeah. you know, even from just viewing him as a, as a, as a, almost like a worship type figure that they justified everything they did yeah. because they were convinced that it was for the greater good that they yeah. were doing. Well, you know, it's interesting too, just a, a quick side note, just on the Nazis and, and Hitler, you know, a lot of, people, I knew I was going to get, yeah, I know you triggered, up. triggered me. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's funny when a lot of people critique atheism, you know, they look like they go to like, look at all the atheists that com- committed atrocities and like, look at Hitler. I'm like, dude, Hitler was a super Catholic <laughs> and you know, he justified his whole entire means, you know, through the religious language. And so you can't like, really say that and i think what's interesting and just bringing that back to capitalism is that you know you could probably go out and find a common narrative amongst people with the large accumulation of capital and be like look i'm i'm you know i'm a job creator yeah you know like i i'm bringing wealth to the world and i'm trying to do good i mean even somebody who i think is genuine in in his idea of good for the world like elon musk you know he is still has that message in his head they're like, look, I've accumulated a lot of wealth, and I, but I'm trying to use it for good. And I think, I think he's one of the few who genuinely believes that and tries that, you know. But there are still those other people out there, you know. Maybe Jeff Bezos is, is a more uh, malicious character in that sense. I don't necessarily think so, but he's still probably one of those guys. Is like, hey, look, look at all the convenience and beauty that I'm bringing to the world. Like, I'm helping. You know, and smoke and mirrors. Yeah, yeah it well, I mean, it's you know, and I you know? Ben, well, Ben's a buddy of mine. Is he's got strong opinions, and you know, I kind of asked him that question. So, do you think it's moral to be a billionaire? His answer actually pretty astonished me. He's like, no, it's not. He goes, what did he say to me? He said, the person that achieved a billion dollars is not immoral. What's immoral is that a system has allowed him to get there. And I was like, well, that was an interesting answer because yeah, he was saying yeah. that like there's finite resources. And the problem is, is that, you know, they're supposed to be he's talking about in a main economic system. There's supposed to be a balance between the system and the state. And like capitalism is all about free market and growth. Um, and that's supposed to you know kind of activate the self-interest as a motivator. Yeah. Um, and then the state is supposed to come in and regulate our, our internal negative impulses to, to, to do wrong. They're supposed to be with health and things like that. So he's like, look, the state's job, <coughs> excuse, excuse me, 
I gotta get a sip of water here. Yeah. Or is it water? Uh, is straight it? vodka. Yeah. Get on the throat. No, but <laughs> my wife like... asked me to buy vodka last night. <laughs> it was really funny. I like, like vodka, dirty fucking, martinis. Our, our fucking dog keeps fucking urinating in our kid's bedroom. And we try to clean it and keep the door shut. And for every once in a while, she sneaks off into the fucking kid's bedroom and pees in there. And so we try to get it <laughs> cleaned up. And, and So you're just going to get her drunk? What's the... No, no. Yeah, we're going to get her drunk and then shoot her in the fucking face. No, oh, um, no, we're No, we're just putting alcohol down in there because it's supposed to get the smell out even uh, better and, and, and keep the dogs away from there uh, anyway. Right, so moving on. Nothing um, to do with what we were just talking about. Another two things that Zizek said I liked. He said he yeah. put liberals on blast because he basically said that you are really good at critiquing others, but you are not interested in self-critique, which I think is most important to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I well that, and uh, it was a little bit about equality here. So he was like, his definition of equality was creating a space to grow each individually, um, and he believes that capitalism is an attack on that or it hinders that. So... It's interesting. Yeah, for him, it's like it's not equality. There's still inequality in his definition of equality. It's just more of a space, you know, for the most amount of people to individually grow. Yeah. Um. And so he was talking about like when you look <clears throat> at a capitalistic system, that his version of equality. So not only just major normal inequality, but this idea of there's not a big enough space for the most amount of people to individually grow. It, it's it's truncated to a certain select few. And I thought that was a very interesting kind of perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's still. I mean. Zizek definitely is is pro that idea of like equality of opportunity, right? You know, he wants everybody, you know, to be equal in the sense that like we all, you know, if we want to, if we want to pursue those those means, you know, we can find uh, fulfillment and and uh, creativity. I I don't know. <clears throat> Here's the thing: is like I haven't delved enough into Zizek's philosophy that I don't know what other solutions he really offers. I don't, cause I don't think he does a good job in the debate on offering a solution, but I think that capitalism, I still think is a pretty good way about going about that in the sense that it frees up because of the conveniences that capitalism brings to us. It, it frees us up to do a lot of other things that we normally couldn't. Um, you know, we don't have to worry about other, you know, certain base needs, you know, it, it, not right. talking about ex, exploitation. Um, I just think but, that cap, I mean, yeah. we'll talk about this in more part yeah. too, but I, you know, I, I'm going to bring up that capitalism is a little more fragile than, than it, than it's, it's sure, shown out yeah. to be. Yeah. Uh, first Absolutely, of all, yeah. yeah. Second of all. And yeah, it's, it's more fragile than I think it is. And, and secondly, when it comes to that, you're right. It's got, it's more thing, but it, what happens is, is through, through time, I think opportunity kind of dwindles the more people gain wealth because the more people gain wealth, the more they don't want to lose wealth. And sure. the more that they yeah. kind of work towards stopping other people, not stopping indirectly, sorry, not stopping directly, but almost indirectly trying to increase their wealth. Uh, and so what I think happens is it creates this kind of weird paradox uh, to where that because opportunity is, is so quote unquote open that it in turns make it makes it more closed, the more people kind of take advantage of that. Right. And I think, you know, leading this in, Zizek says capitalism is an evil. It's just a self it's a self reproductive uh, or self reproduction at the cost of others or the planet. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a, a chat mm -hmm. for what's more. So I think that what, you know, basically kind of what he's saying is that when you go into high consumerism and you do this and you start to go towards that, more people get money. That's why I think, you know, initial report, which I think I saved, I did save this article. So I'll give it to you for the show notes, sure. but they were talking about how 70% of Americans now, 70% of Americans spend majority of their, of their, of their money on 
basically rent food and how like so they're talking about the basic needs are consuming a lot of of the the money i think like 30 percent or whatever 30 percent of income now yeah 70 percent of the it's like numbers are getting crazy but 30 percent of of, on average income now is used for for necessities and they're talking about how that's a problem so you know it's like even even with certain businesses that i know like where businesses kind of slowed down i think what's funny about capitalism is they don't you know for for our bus it's like hey we got to get business up we got to get business up and i'm like yeah but it's now, you know, just looking at the recent survey where we live in Eugene in particular, it's, it's, they say that in order to survive on your own, um, without any additional help, you need to make 1750 an hour. Mm-hmm. That's the wage when it comes to average cost of living, average cost of, of, of groceries, average cost of rent, all these things of bills runs out to about 17 an hour. So when somebody gets hired at 1075, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that when you talk about creating jobs, well, that's great and dandy if you create a job, but if that job doesn't pay what the cost of living is adjusted to, you just created poverty. Um, and so what I think he's trying to say here is that very thing where he's just like, in order for other people to prevail in the system, you have to put other people out. And it, again, right. it, it's, it's, it's growth at the cost of others. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I think that, and then, and then what's really funny <laughs> and then Peterson gets back up and he literally goes, well, uh, I want everybody to know that I wasn't defending capitalism. I was just using a comparison and I was talking about the mistakes of Marxism and how that capitalism is the better of the two evils. And I'm like, Jordan, damn it. <laughs> yeah, t- you know, kind of. Uh, uh, May it go, but right there. Yeah, or, exactly. you know, because I was like, wow, Jordan, you're being this Post-talk. capitalism. Yeah, yeah. And now we try to clarify. It's like, I'm not saying that capitalism is this or that. I'm just saying that, like, I was using Marxism as this. And I was like, OK, fine. You can yeah. see what you want and, to and say. I, and I do think, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's funny because he's, you know, he, he did dodge, you know, a few problems there, but. Just in that regard, you know, he did go into the debate thinking that it was going to be more about True. capitalism versus Marxism. And Zizek, you know, threw, you know, threw him left field, right? It's like, hey, you know, like, yeah, you know, Marxism had these problems. I'm not really worried about that. I'm worried about certain problems in capitalism and how uh, it doesn't lead to happiness in the way that you may think it does. And then Jordan Peterson basically in their kind of back and forth after the fact, he's like, yeah, no, I think that capitalism also has these problems with happiness. Yeah, exactly. Well, know, and, and, and they, of course, yeah. Peterson went down his classic his classic trope where he's like, look, I think the responsibility of, of doing good is, is on the person, you know, it's on the individual. And, yeah. you know, you shouldn't focus on, you know, you shouldn't focus on being happy. You should focus on, on stability and, and just, you know, obviously you should focus on bettering yourself. Yeah. And then happiness yeah. will then in turn come. You know, I went down that. And then and I love how Zizek just goes, yeah, well, I don't buy that bullshit that, the, you know, the poor can be happy, you know, or the poor are happy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, that, yeah. it's funny because I did in college, I did a play called Musical Comedy Murders of the Night. Oh, no, not, that was in high school. That's a different play. Uh, what, oh, you can't take it with you. So we did a play, You Can't Take It With You, which is set in the 30s. But it's all about... So it's like a poor family and then like there's like a richer family. Is it like West Side Story? Kind of. No. Well, really what it is, it was a play in the 30s and, uh-huh. and you can't take it with you. Really just it, it was a play that just said, hey, money isn't everything. It's it's your family that's happy, even though you're poor. You know, it was it's that right. cla- there's stories through the end of time that pitch yeah. that, that it's not, you know, and I think it's and they kind of talk about that whole idea of, of money's role and happiness. And now, you know, there's certain aspects where obviously money doesn't equate for a hundred percent of being happy, but what money does do is money negates misery, unnecessary yeah, suffering, yeah, yeah. you know, with, you know, money provides access to the basic needs. Money provides access to a roof over your head and it's a lack of stress on the body and lack of stress in the right. mind. And you can be firsthand of like money is stressful when you don't have you enough don't to have a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you still like, you know, you try to, you forget about it in a lot of ways. Like I try and find 
meaning in lots of other different aspects in my life. So I don't, so I'm not entirely worried about the stress of not having enough money. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's a, it's, it's constantly a, a, a battle of balance, right. And trying to figure out like, okay, well, I don't solely want to focus on monetary misery, you know, in order to like, just get through life. But at the same time, I have to consider like, can I make this month's rent? And if I don't, then I will not be able to think about all the other things that give me joy and meaning and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So and, I think, yeah, sorry. There's a couple of things where, you know, I love that. Uh, she's like said, uh, we don't have a basic cognitive insight on where we stand and our past, present, or future. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's very yeah. pessimistic, but I think that's true. Well, and, he's a, I think he's in the debate. Yeah. He described himself yeah, he does. as a pessimist. Yeah. But I think, you know, I, and I, I, what I think what's really important is he says too, he said he, he admires Marx because even though his, his, you know, the, his published works may not be the, the best solutions, he definitely nailed calling out the problem yeah. is what Zizek said. And, and I think, you know, and then it gets to the, uh, you know, other part where, <laughs> where Zizek's like, Please, Jordan, you have the term postmodern neo Marxism. Uh, yeah. Okay, please tell me where you found a postmodern neo Marxist. By the way, this part was a. Oh, I love that too. And Jordan's yeah. like, I, well, I, I, you know, and he's like, please tell me because I don't know who you're talking about. And I think you know, it's like it's. And then he says, what it's it's like what you're saying is it's like it's like they fear they fear like a good vampire fears garlic. That's <laughs> what she said to yeah. Jordan. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, I think. Because there was, was radicalism decent, and things like that yeah. where, you know, Jordan Yeah, because I, I think that that was a decent, you know, critique and calling out. Now, Zizek even said, it's like, look, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Like, I just want to know who you think is causing a problem. And I think that after stumbling over, you know, his thoughts, Peterson, I think, did have a decent response in that, like, look, if you look to academia and the faculty running, you know, a lot of these, uh, these schools of thought, especially in philosophy and... Um, and women's and gender studies and, uh, you know, economic studies, you know, critiques of capitalism, all that kind of stuff. The messages, and I've, and I've seen this firsthand, the messages that they're trying to say is they're, they're relaying this ultra skepticism out to the world in that there's no one big truth out there, which is a, a fine thing to say, you know, and that a lot of our preconceived notions about the world should be called into question which is another perfectly fine thing to say, you know, especially when we look at culture and, and where it's led uh, us and, and the, the kind of brutal history that's came before. The problem is that what Peterson is pointing out is that these people are leaving a vacuum uh, for other, I think worse and more pernicious things to come into, to come into play because is what we're doing is we're going out there and saying like, look at all these bad things that have, that have happened to us or to these specific groups now we have to call into question everything that's kind of worked before because i think there is a room to say that like their capitalism you know if, if that's your thing has brought a lot of uh it has mitigated a lot of suffering and it has brought economic growth to the world there are lots of problems with it but it has done good in that regard and so to just throw the baby out with the bathwater it's a bad thing. You, we have to t we have to keep what's good and what keep what's working. Right, and I think and, it, it's, it's yeah. but it's not always like what's good. So I think it's one hundred percent there. That's why I'm like my coexistence of ideologies is still prominent in my mind because I think I, I agree with Jordan in the sense where his main again he reiterated this when they were in their back and forth. His main critique of Marx is that what he has done is he has said that in a capitalistic system that if you are you know again he's going off of the whole Nietzsche race on demand I believe is when mm -hmm. he talks about you know slave and master mentality and he's going that. 
What he has a problem with is that Marx is, is basically stating that in a capitalistic society, if you are the person with capital, you are innately evil. And you, if you are the worker, you are innately good. Yeah. And he was talking about he's got a problem with just saying that, like, if you're oppressed or oppressor, that the oppressed are automatically morally correct mm-hmm. and the oppressors are automatically morally wrong. And he has a problem with just like just generically saying that that's the way that it is. Right. And, and I agree with him that li- life is more complex than that. And there's going to be good and bad in either camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think that he's he's not understanding is that like anything else in science, that it's, it's just a scale. So what I'm saying is on average, people that oppress tend to be less moral than people that are being oppressed. And so I think you have a problem with, with terms. And I think, again, maybe Marx is more absolute in his statement. I just think that what I really understood is going back to Marx conflict theory, where I think Marx is just trying to state that the conflict in itself is not good. And how, like, if the worker, the motivation for conflict is what I think. So if, look, if I go, what is more morally sound? I want to make more money because I'm the worker to provide for my family or I need to pay you less so I can pocket more money. Mm-hmm. So I think really what the innate problem is or why it, it, it is the way that it is about the oppressor being less moral than the oppressed is because the, the direct like systematic motivational goals for the people with capital are tend to be less moral, like right up the point than the people that are oppressed. Right now that's regardless of putting in human intention and, you know, everything that like neurological development and, and beliefs and grow and environment and genetics. And that's before all that, it gets implemented. So I think Jordan's thinking about all that after fact, but sure. I still think that, I think that he's less wrong, but it comes to just the, the innate relationship that is established does have some moral flaws. There. I don't know if you want to comment on that. Or if you think yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, I do think, because I worry about the same, I worry about the same thing that, that Peterson does yeah. in the sense that, you know, we're, we're, calling things right or wrong or bad or good or, or good or evil without really thinking of what those terms mean, you know, especially in how the oppressed have that feeling of horizontal that Nietzsche uh, refers to in uh, the genealogy of morals and that there was, there was an inversion of morality. And now we're, we're occupying this space where we feel like we've been oppressed for so long against these people on the top and, and, and therefore we need to kind of deconstruct and uh, decolonialize and all these other things that, that those evil people have contributed to. Um, right. And so, is, yeah, you so can, this is another yeah, thing too. last remarks too, you know? Um, yeah. So I know we're getting yeah, close. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I just took a bunch no, of notes okay. and it's always okay. fun. It's fun. Yeah. So, but we covered yeah. a lot of the debate. So what I'll do yeah. is I want to bring up this point and then we can give like our overall thoughts of it and yeah. then we can call it a day yeah. um, for this thing. So what I will say is that I found it interesting that, that Peterson said that the hierarchy of attractiveness has no effect on economics. And I was like, I don't necessarily know if that's true. So again, I think it's a matter of like not understanding where our society is now, because if you look at social media and the internet, there's a whole branch of economic growth that is designed around attractiveness, Instagram models, mm-hmm. you know, getting paid on Instagram are, are social media influencers, you know, where these people are paid to influence products by other companies yeah. because of the way that they look, or you yeah. look at the whole cosmetic industry. And I think social media and our connectiveness to, to want to be this way. I think that I, attractiveness definitely can play a role in economics yeah especially in certain aspects of the economy i guess i would have to you know figure out like what peterson means by attractiveness but yeah i mean that's what he said hierarchy hierarchy of attractiveness has no effect on economics is what he said that was just a statement he made and i was like i disagree i think that yeah i think there's a correlation between uh relative attractiveness you know at least sensed through your 
initial, you know, your, your close society. Right. And like, if you're viewed as highly attractive, I think by, you know, close correlates, like you will be economically successful. Yeah. And obviously movies and, and Hollywood has kind of like predicated this, 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 this throughout the years, like this underlying cultural acceptance of, of the fact that if you are pretty, you know, you look at certain movies and I'm like, there is no way that any of those people in the background are actually high school students. <laughs> like, you know, they're casting yeah. beautiful 20. 20- I mean, just look at high school musical. You had Zac Efron. He was probably doing that when he was like, what, 20. Right. Know, so uh, if you look at that, you know, yeah. most, most of when we were kids and you look at the psychological effects of growing up watching these teen movies where they're all gorgeous and they're all in their twenties, basically playing teenagers. Yeah. You know, it just, it can create, and I think that, you know, attractiveness does, you know, it it might not, okay, so economically before probably the internet and and really like main cinema, yeah, I can, I can get that in the past, but now with the movie industry, it's like, no, if you, if you got chops or if you're pretty and you can progress that, like, they're not going to hire somebody who's doing this or like, I'm losing my hair. You know what I mean? Like for me. It's like, that's it. You know, I can't, I'm not going to go on there and play the lead guy because with no hair. It's just got to wear a wig. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I guess we're, we're coming up here on an hour and 15. So I know we kind of want to wrap it up. So I guess, uh, I'll, I, you kind of say your final thing and then I'll say, sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, as far as the debate goes, I think it was really interesting. Um, I think that coming away with the worry that happiness is, uh, is not a sound of premise as we think it is when it comes to, uh, it being a goal that we should attain, I think was a really good avenue that it took. Um, there was definitely a lot of stepping over each other in that Peterson really didn't understand where Zizek was coming from a lot in a lot of ways. You know, I think he was expecting more of a Marxist approach and, and, and Zizek just didn't take that. And then I think in turn, I think Zizek is a bit more pessimistic than I think he ought to be. Uh, and But I still thought it was an interesting debate. Um, and, uh, however, you know, long it was. And, uh, it was funny, Two too, hours because, and 45 because minutes. you know, when they got to Q and a, what they answered, like three questions from, yep. from online, you know? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. So anyway, yeah. I'll say that, uh, uh, I found it really fascinating, especially near the end when Peterson's talking about his belief of good and evil is, is interesting to me because, uh, you know, to him, it's the same as right and wrong. And, and I'm not sure if good and evil is, is directly equivalent to right and wrong. Um, that's, I find that fascinating. So, so for me, I guess it, it, there was a lot of interesting stuff, especially about happiness and especially about viewing their, their both aspects of, of obviously communism and, and capitalism. And it definitely made me think, um, I wrote nine pages of notes, so there's all kinds of stuff that, that we didn't even cover. So you're going to see that in the show notes. Um, but I think what it did is it gave us a good foundation to really spend the next two episodes kind of diving more into, uh, our kind of understandings of these systems, not talking about other understandings of people understandings right, of the right. system. So yeah. yeah, guys, well, uh, that being said, I yeah. am Josh Simpson. Uh, I have the blog. It's, uh, it's the only one you can find me on the only one.cf. I just posted a new free thought series about grief and death. Um, yep. We've been having technical <laughs> difficulties. And so Ian and I tried to record an episode on death and that did not come to fruition. So maybe it, down yeah. the road, down the future, down you know, the future, we'll do that. So for now I wrote to our deaths. Yeah. <laughs> I discovered something kind of innate about myself. So I wrote a little bit of piece about that. I'm also writing a piece, expanding my thoughts on the morality of billionaires. So keep an eye on that. You can find me on Twitter at, at the only one blog. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know, so you guys know me, I'm Ian Savage and, uh, I, I'm on Twitter at modern overman. You can find, my interesting thoughts at modernoverman.com. Um, I just wrote a piece. I think we'll talk a little bit about it tomorrow also. Uh, 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 
what's it called capitalism and circumstance um and uh i'll be having another piece about nietzsche's uh, genealogy of morals coming out here soon um and i've got some other things in the works anyway uh yeah so this is uh just the, the part one of this whole you know yep. uh series um we'll um yep. get you some more information out in the next uh a uh, few days yeah, just, on uh, what else is going on. Yeah, a couple yeah. things before we wrap up here. Our contest is still going on. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, we just uh, uh, watch, watch If You Dare podcast. We just did a nice little review exchange with them. We we both listened to each other's podcast and gave honest critique. And uh, they were very, very generous in, in their com- in their comment to us. So I want to say thank <laughs> you to them. And, and of course, if you're a fan of kind of like horror movies and stuff, watch What You Dare. Go check them yeah. out. Oh, and and – on the, on that topic, yeah. just a, I want to say a quick shout out to uh, Freudian Sips. Yep, uh, they are two great gals. Yeah, they're know, like our sister to... podcast almost. Yeah, like we have like know, this. We've this... got about the same amount of episodes, same amount of followers, and and they've been liking and sharing all of our stuff. And, and we try to you know do yeah. the same. And they've added us on some top ten lists. Yeah. So if if you if you if you want to hear some psychological dish between a mom and a daughter, go check them out. They're pretty they're super awesome. funny. Yeah, yeah. Freudian Sips, they're pretty yeah. good too. Um, but then we're gonna have an episode with them coming up soon. We're gonna have the uh, finishing these three part yeah, episodes. Jesus. I know, yeah, it's going to be all kinds of good <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, we might announce that later. Yeah, <laughs> it's this it's is the part where we tell them what we're yeah. doing. Yeah, so um, yeah, we'll we'll do like a formal announcement on Twitter, but um, we decided that'd be a great little crossover episode to do with um, Forty and Sips. Basically, uh, we just got things in the works, I guess is what yeah, I'm trying to exactly, say. So yeah. uh, I don't if know you, if they've announced it on their podcast yet. But it doesn't matter. I, we've but, been in correspondence with but them. But so. please like share and subscribe i can't say this enough you guys are the only way that we're going to be able to, to yeah. kind of grow and we appreciate and that we're all over the internet so we're just all over us, we yeah. have uh you know at, at necessary bs pod that's our instagram and twitter um but more importantly you can find our instagram our twitter uh where to find us about us page go to our website www something 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 necessary bs podcast.com right is that it? what do you mean something 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 i don't know if there's an http or i don't know okay. i've never it's it's just necessary bs podcast.com okay <laughs> all right it's don't have to be I don't complicated the website. <laughs> but necessary bs podcast.com guys that's where you can find all of our episodes you can find yes. our rss feed where to find us like i said that before but that is where um our main you know hub will be from from all of our stuff so necessary bs podcast.com you can find our twitter handle there and like us and, and share and all that fun stuff so yeah okay guys well deuces. we'll see you next time bye bye ladies bye <laughs>